0: Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 29 and we are recording on Tuesday, July 3rd. I'm Katie McLean, along with Rincy Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot.
1: Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincy. How are you? Good. Happy almost 4th of July.
0: I know I was gonna I, at the be when I just did the little introduction, I wanted to say this episode brought to you by the firecrackers. my neighbors are shooting right outside my window.
1: <laughs> hey, we live in Chicago. They should not have any of those.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> no one in Chicago ever goes across the state line state lines to buy firecrackers. Yeah, that never happens. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm I'm we must just have a, a lot of like really loud engine noises right outside my window. Or know.
1: they're watching fireworks on their computer very loudly.
0: That must be it. Sitting right outside our second story window.
1: <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I um there's actually like uh I don't know what they would what to call it anymore because it's like take been taken over by different owners, but it basically used to be like a community space, and then close by that space, there's also like our local community college, so like a lot of times from my backyard, you can actually see different fireworks shows and it's actually pretty great
0: yeah yeah i I remember growing up from the town the town where i where I grew up, we were perfectly situated where like You could, like, practically just stand outside of my backyard and, like, you would look south, you'd see one firework show going. You could look north, you'd see one firework show going. You could look out west a little bit. Oh, yep, there's another one. Um, And so I I remember... um, I didn't, we didn't go to a lot of firework shows when I was younger because I didn't like loud noises and the fireworks scared me when I was little. Mm. Um, but I would, um, from from like inside the house, I'd like, I remember standing outside my parents' window and like trying to see the different firework shows from the from different directions. But yeah. yeah, now now we just go to Blaine's family's house because they live literally a block away from the big park where they have the giant fireworks show. So we just load up a wagon with with beverages and just just truck on down.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm going to ask you when we're offline what town it specifically is because there's like one we always go to where like they play like music along with the fireworks and things like that. And we always like going to that town. It's not that one. Okay, cool.
0: <laughs> they don't have music.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's like one suburb. I don't know if you know which one it is. Um, it's like uh, in Itasca.
0: Oh, okay. I I know I know of it, but yeah, it's yeah. not
1: where we go. Yeah, it's like southern southwest, basically suburbs. And so, um, yeah, my friends and I will drive down there just because, like, they do. Su- like, it's a pretty solid amount of time like I want to say it's like a half an hour or so maybe even more and the Mm -hmm. whole thing is like time to music like you they do a medley of songs and like each year they have like fresh songs that are like based on the previous year's hits and things like that and they like make a fireworks show around those songs it's like amazing how they do it that's
0: so cool yeah
1: it's like once you I feel like it's one of those shows where it's like when you see that one like other fireworks shows like pale in comparison
0: (laughs) um do they do it just for the Fourth of July, or do they also do like Labor Day too? No, they just do Fourth of July. Darn it! Because I was going to say, I was going to say, our Fourth of July plans are definitely set in stone. But I'm like, maybe for Labor Day we could <laughs> we could see see some cool fireworks. Um, and speaking of fireworks, I also just realized that. Um, we are, well, Blaine and I go on our honeymoon later this year, we're going to London, um, and we are going to be overseas for bonfire night, Ooh. so, so we're going to get I think we're going to get to see some pretty cool fireworks. That's exciting. That's very good timing. Good job, guys. <laughs> totally unintentional. I only just realized that, like, a couple weeks ago when I was looking for stuff to do, and I'm like, hey! <laughs> I was more excited about being over there for Halloween, but... <laughs> That's also a good reason to be excited, yes. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, (laughs) to our regularly scheduled programming, um, we don't always have fireworks here, but... (laughs) Um, So, yes, if you are joining us for the first time, welcome. We talk about mystery suspense thrillers, everything in between and then some. Uh, We talk about movie adaptations, uh, mystery authors that are in the news. We talk about true crime podcasts. We talk about themed book uh, or books. Just themed book lists that uh, listeners have uh, mentioned, where there would be interesting topics. We talk about, uh, like, we spent one recent episode talking about unreliable narrators. So we just talk about a bunch of different things. Um, So we're happy to have everyone joining us. Um, And if you have not listened to the show before, um, I always like to extend an invitation to listeners to let us know what you are interested in. If there's something, a news item that comes up, or a a topic that we haven't covered, or if you're looking for like a reading pathway for a particular author or just anything that falls under, you know, mysteries and thrillers, um, reach out to us. We love hearing from people. We've gotten some really great ideas for uh, previous episodes and, um, yeah, we just we just really like hearing from, from people. So if you have an idea, a question, a suggestion, anything like that, we'll have our contact information at the end of the show and you can, um, you know, say hi and uh, give a, and if you have any ideas, let us know because we would love to hear them.
1: All right. So to start things off, we have a couple of
0: news items that we
1: wanted to talk about. Um, I have the first two, and they're both uh, kind of related. They both come from Vanity Fair, uh, who has been doing some really great coverage as of late. Uh, The first one that I have is titled, Gillian Flynn Isn't Going to Write the Kind of Women You Want. And this is actually an interview and a conversation between Megan Abbott and Gillian Flynn, so both authors who uh, Katie and I are big, big fans of. Um, So... I mean, you, there will be a link in the show notes so you guys can check it out yourself, but both Gillian Flynn and Megan Abbott are known for writing these complex, complicated, not necessarily great people, as, and specifically not really great women. Um, and so the article is basically a conversation between them talking about their experiences doing that and also just... the reactions that they've gotten from different people uh, because of the types of characters that they like to write and how they've uh, gotten some pushback um, because of the types of characters that they write, but also how there is this sort of Uh, emergence, I would say, of like angry women and like women sort of fighting back and speaking out and things like that. And so they talk about that. And obviously they talk about um, Sharp Objects and adapting that for HBO and things like that since that is debuting very soon. Um, So if you are a fan of either of those authors or in general, you just enjoy these types of thrillers uh, with these complicated, not great women, uh, definitely recommend that article. And then the other one that um, we'll have linked in the show notes uh, follows a bunch of different novelists who are also writing for television. And this one's called America's Literary Hotshots Once Shunned TV. Now they want to run the show. And so it basically talks about how um, basically because there's been this big boom in the television industry and there's like so much TV content that is being created as well as a demand for it. Um, A lot of novelists are becoming television writers as well, but they're not only just like joining writers rooms, but they are becoming showrunners and uh, running what these TV shows are like and things like that. And so this Vanity Fair interview is filled with a lot of different authors, ones that may interest you include Megan Abbott again, as well as Noah Hawley and Attica Locke. And so they talk about their own personal experiences with uh, writing writing for television and how that's uh, changed both uh, the way TV is basically perceived, how TV has changed over the years, um, but also like how it's impacted their writing and why more writers are going into the television industry, which is a thing that I've definitely noticed picking up. I don't know if it's just that Uh, just because like I personally pay attention to like both writers rooms as well as authors of novels. Um, But I feel like more and more, there's been like crossover between like the people who are writing for television and writing novels. So yeah, definitely recommend both of those um, stories. And again, they'll be linked in the show notes.
0: Yeah, um, I was gonna say I've seen I'm seeing a, a lot more authors who started off as uh, writers for TV writing their own novels and then vice versa, like like writers who are primarily known as novelists, they're helping like to adapt their own works for TV and stuff like that. Like you you see a lot of you know writers' names attached to you know this new show on Netflix or HBO or or whatever, and it's it's interesting um, when the <laughs> I think it was the first Vanity Fair article with Megan Abbott and Gillian Flynn. And I think one of them said, well, you know, Gillian Flynn is focusing more on TV now. And I want to go, no, write your novel. (laughs) (laughs) Which we we talked about on a previous episode. She does, she is working on another novel. So I know it's coming and I really shouldn't be that impatient. But part of me, I'm just like, no, write your book. I want to read your book.
1: I mean, I'm the type of person where I will just take whatever thing whatever thing she wants to put on in the world i will take it if you start if she started making sculptures i would be okay with it honestly because i would yeah, be like they would probably be the most interesting sculptures i've seen in a long time
0: i would become an art collector probably <laughs> 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 um and then our um uh, our final news piece last episode we talked about um possibility of su- the supreme court hearing um the case the from the making a murder uh show, I can't, I can't I keep wanting to say show, podcast, I can't keep all these straight. Uh, but there, there was talk that the, that the case surrounding the events of making a murderer was going to possibly be heard by the Supreme Court. And we said we would keep you updated. And so the update is the Supreme Court is not hearing that case. I don't really have much more to add to that. But I, I remember last episode, we were like, we will keep you updated as, as, you know, as we hear more. And then like a few days later, and, and I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that's that. So um in case in case you were you were following that but hadn't heard the uh, hadn't um heard the update Supreme Court will not be hearing that case and um if if you need more information on that we will have a link to that in the show notes as well.
1: Yeah, I didn't think it was very likely honestly even though obviously the lawyers were like, "Oh, there's a chance that they could hear our case." I mean, yeah, there's always a chance, but they get presented so many different cases and it's always about more it's always more about like if there's something interesting in the law going on that they feel like they need to defend or give an opinion on or something like that so all right uh so before we jump into the main topic of the episode i have our first sponsor and it is notes from my captivity by kathy parks adrian cares about three things getting into a great college becoming a revered journalist and making her late father proud of her so when she's offered the chance to write an article that will get her into her dream school and debunk her foolish stepfather's belief that a legendary family of hermits is living in the Siberian wilderness, there's no question that she's going to fly across the world. But when disaster strikes and Adrian's held captive by the family she was convinced didn't exist, her best hope for escape is to do what she can to survive no matter the cost. So this book is being described as Into the Wild meets Jennifer E. Smith, and this This is the latest book from the author of The Lifeboat Click. So if you read that book, uh, this is the brand new book from the same author. Um, This is about basically an inspiring teen journalist who gets stranded in Siberia. And she also later falls in love with a boy whose family is holding her captive. Um, Goldie Moldofsky, who is uh, the New York Times bestselling author of Kill the Boy Band, called this book wild, mysterious, full of danger, and then quite an unexpected captivates you with its beauty. So again, that book is called Notes from My Captivity by Kathy Parks, and that is available to purchase wherever books are sold.
0: I I was following along with with the synopsis as you were reading it, and I, I had only just briefly skimmed it, and I'm like, legendary family of hermits is living in the Siberian wilderness. I'm like, well, why not? <laughs> you never so, yeah, know. It. Yeah, know. so I was like, okay, you know, a family family tension, inspiring teen journalist. Okay, and then I'm like, flying to Siberia, huh? Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that 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 is definitely a plot line. The captain's made me sit up a little bit straighter. <laughs> um. So for this um for this episode, well, last after we finished recording the last episode, we asked our you know we asked ourselves the the uh, perpetual question, okay, what are we talking about for the next episode? <laughs> and for whatever reason, while we were recording last week, I said, oh, why don't we, since we, re- we read a ton of, you know, we read a ton of new books and stuff, but um, we don't always um, keep up with series. Um, or So I thought, well, what if, what if we each picked a book that uh, we had already read the first book in the series or the trilogy or whatever it may be, and then we read the second one to see, you know, how it me- you know does it measure up? Does it you know does it improve? How does it change? You know, just kind of thoughts on reading mystery series in general. Um, and before I go into before I go into my book, I, I I'm sure I I've, I've probably mentioned this a bunch of times on the episode already, but I'm just. Typically, not a series series reader in general. Um, I I feel like I don't have an attention span long enough to uh, to keep up with the same with the same character through twenty books like readers do with the, Sue Grafton or um, Janet Ivanovich or James Patterson, however many series he's got going. Um, I just. Like, you know, I know there are there are a lot of readers that find that type of reading experience to be very comforting, like, you know, kind of keeping up with an old friend um, and that type of thing. But I've, I'm have for me, I'm just like, I've got so many new books and so many new things to experience. Like I get very bored very quickly. Um, so for me, I'm always if I'm looking for a series I want it to be where you don't know what you're going to expect from book to book, like the Tana French Dublin Murder Squad series. You really don't know what you're going to get, um, and you know you have different characters that you can follow around, different different scenarios. Um, so it really helps keep it keep it fresh for me, and so I, I always look forward to the next book in the series. But um, I, I, I'm I'm guessing. I mean, I. I know you haven't mentioned a bunch of series that you really follow, so I'm I'm guessing you kind of have similar thoughts. But yeah, I mean,
1: I'm mo- I mostly have similar thoughts to you. Part of my problem is also just the fact that I'm terrible at remembering uh series that like so like if I start a series like for example for this episode. I had just a hard time remembering what series I've read in the past. Um, And so that's just like a perpetual problem for me. So like when I think of the next book I want to read, I never think like, oh, there's a new book in the XYZ series and I haven't read that one yet or something along those lines. Um, So I think I just have like a terrible memory for that stuff. And then also I do like new things and different things and I like to mix it up quite a bit. So similar to you, I don't like spending like 45 books with a single character or anything like that. Um, and But the thing is, is like when I was a kid, I loved series books. And then even like through high school, I would say that I really loved series. I think now I'm just exposed to so many books all the time that it's really hard for me to read more than just a couple of books in a series outside of like ton of French. Um, but I also... Consider Ton of French's books to be like standalones almost. And again, you don't really know what you're getting from book to book. Um, but there are occasions where I do, like a lot of times, what ends up happening is that when I'm at like used bookstores, that's always a really great place to find like the next book in a series or a book in a series that you can pick up. Because I, the one nice thing about mysteries at least is that 99% of the time, if you read, A book in a mystery series, you don't have to read the other books if you don't want to. So you can kind of just pick them up as you please. If you read them out of order, it's not that big of a deal um, and things like that. So I've read like a couple of books of Joe Nesba's like in his Harry Hole Series. Um, And then I've read like some of the Kathy Reich's books, which is uh, the Tempest Brennan series, which was adapted into the television show Bones. So I've read like random ones of those um, and things like that. So I have read some series, but my thing always just comes back to like trying to remember to keep up with all of these different series. It's more of a thing of like if I'm just like wandering through a bookstore or sometimes even just like wandering through the library and I see that there is a book out in a series that I've enjoyed in the past, I might pick it up. And I also kind of consider them like comfort reads or even just like palate cleanser reads. Like sometimes I just don't know what I'm in the mood for. And I know that this author, this series is relatively reliable and I know the type of feeling I'll get from it. And so if I'm in the mood for that, then I will pick up those books.
0: Yeah. Um, and actually, as you were mentioning uh, um a couple of the the authors, I'm like, oh yeah, I did read the first Kathy Reichs book, and I was thinking more about some of the other series that I had read. One of the one of the series that um, I was thinking about picking up for this for this episode um, that I've only read the first book of is the Dexter series, mm. and I I listened to the first one, and it oh my god, I loved it so much. Um, but I also heard from some of my uh, librarian friends who have who have like read the whole series or listened to the whole series that the narrator changes like halfway through the series like the first 3 books are by one narrator and then they get some new guy and I'm like oh man I'm like I loved the first narrator yeah. so I've been a little reluctant to I mean I have like the first 3 books um sitting on my bookshelf so I could always you know pick it up and read it um but that was one that I was a little that I've been a little hesitant to get caught up in because I'm afraid like oh god what if it's not as good or I um another series that I've read at least a few I've read like two and a half in the series is the um Archie Sheridan and Gretchen Lowell series from Chelsea Kane Mm-hmm. uh the first book is heartsick and it is amazing and disgusting and gory and horrifying and I love it so much um but the second and third ones i was i was listening to them on audio, and maybe I would have liked them better if I was reading them in print, but one of the main characters not not the not either one of the the two series characters but one of the main characters for who goes from book to book I was I just like the more I was forced to listen to her narration I was just like she makes really stupid decisions and I don't agree with these decisions this is bothering me <laughs> so I I kind of left off on that one and so that might be one that I might pick up and just read in print um but for for this for this episode and i don't i i even feel like a little this is slightly cheating because i i don't really think you can it's There's only two books, and I don't know that they're planning on writing more. Um, But in an early episode, I talked about uh, reading Tiny Pretty Things by Sona Shirapotra and Danielle Clayton, which was um, a YA novel described as Pretty Little Liars Meets Black Swan. And when I read it or listened to it, I was like, that's exactly what that is, and I loved it. Um, And I have the, I had the second one sitting on my shelf, um, which is Shiny Broken Pieces, that I always manage to transpose with the words from the first title. Um, But I decided that this would be a good time to pick that up, because it's one that's been staring at me for a long time, but I just haven't gotten around to actually reading it yet. And I haven't finished it yet. I'm more than halfway through with it. And it's, you know, I have to say, it's really interesting Um, And I won't get, I really can't give away any of the plot because it, this is one of those things where, well, A, there's only two books, so you might as well just read them in order. But you really do need to read these in order because the events of the second book basically pick up exactly where the events of the first book left off and they build upon them and then the characters change and grow and morph and you know they change in ways that aren't necessarily positive and new characters come back into play and it's really interesting and dynamic and it's like to I've been just been totally sucked into this book um so I'm really really excited to get to the end because I don't exactly know where anything is going and I'm really excited to see how that will um how that will end up. And it's also really interesting because I listened to the first book on audio and it was it was a lo- slightly longer audio. It was like maybe if I'm remembering correctly, it was like maybe 14 15 hours. Um so it took me a little bit longer to get through, but I really loved the different narrators and just kind of letting it, you know, just wash over me and it was just a really interesting, like, slow burn suspense. With this one, it's, I don't know if it's because, you know, we're picking up right in the middle of the action where the last book left off, or it's, it's because we already know who the characters are, and we don't have to, like, go through all of the character building. But this book has just been, I, like, I have been flying through this book. Like, the other night, I, lo- I was thinking, like, okay, this one might take a little bit longer to get through, because I was basing it on my experience with the audio, And I look down, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm like, almost halfway through this book, what happened? And it's, it's so interesting. And I love how the characters are growing and adapting and changing. And like, you know, you're seeing dark sides of some of these characters come out that you didn't really see in the first book. And I, I'm just, I'm just like, loving this book. As soon as we, probably as soon as we finish recording, I'm probably going to curl up on the couch and see how much more of this I can bust out before I go to bed.
1: Yeah, that's one where – because I've read both of the books and reading the second book was a really interesting experience because they do a really good job of growing and expanding, especially a lot of the characters in the first book who – you could easily see as being like very one-dimensional not that any of them are really that one-dimensional but just because of like space and time and things like that um in the first book you can't like as fully flesh out as many characters and so in the second book i felt like they really took the time to really flesh out characters and you see them take um different turns that you might not have expected or at least i didn't expect to see um in the second book
0: yeah i totally totally agree and i think i know like a couple of the characters that you that you might be talking about yeah <laughs> But I won't say anything, because like, this is one where you really can't say anything about the second book, because it gives away stuff that happens at the end of the first one. So I will say nothing.
1: (laughs) All right. Um, So for me, uh, there were basically two different series that I was uh, debating between. Uh, The first one is uh, the Amy Stewart's uh, Cop Sister series. The first book in the series is Girl Waits with Gun, which I believe I read last year. And then I... Wanted to pick up Lady Cop Makes Trouble, but I didn't own them, and so I was waiting to get it from the library, and it just didn't come in time. So that one will have to wait. Um, And so the one I ended up picking up is The Perplexing Theft of the Jewel in the Crown by Vaseem Khan. This is the second book in the Baby Ganesh series. Um, If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you will have heard me talk about uh, The Unexpected Inheritance of Inspector Chopra, which is the first book in the series. And so, Yeah, this was just like a really fun, interesting, or a really fun reading experience for me, just because this is basically like a cozy mystery type of series. So there is something like very comforting and very just like comfortable about this world. It's very easy to just like fall back into it. Um, This one really raises the stakes quite a bit, though. I didn't really look at the synopsis Mm -hmm. of the story before I jumped into this. Um, That's also a thing that I really like about reading series or when I do read series like I don't feel like I really do need to read the synopsis I sort of just like jump right into the book um with like no real preconceived notions and so in this one um the crown jewels from England are in Mumbai like on display and things like that and so you are following obviously Detective Chopra um and he's gone with his wife Poppy to go see the crown jewels and while they're there um a theft occurs and someone steals um the British crown. And specifically on the British crown, there is this diamond called the Kohi Noor. I'm probably completely butchering that. Uh, but it's basically a diamond from India that the British empire took and then put on like the queen's crown. Um, and so it's been like this point of tension um, among the Indian and British because obviously like Indian people who live in India feel like that they should get that back and things like that. And so anyways, this theft occurs. And so it becomes this mystery of like who stole the crown and who stole the diamond and even just like how they got away with it. Because obviously there was like such high security in this place and things like that. And there is this old cop who ends up getting the blame for it. And so Inspector Chopra goes to... Figure out what exactly happened. And then there's even some like B and even C mysteries happening in here. Like, I was very surprised with how much information and story and plot that was uh, put into this book that is like maybe 350 pages long. Um, so it's just like a really fun story. This is definitely a series that I'm going to be like keeping an eye out for the other books. I don't, I think the third one is out. Um, but I think that's all that's
0: out at the moment but yeah I, there there's four out actually because oh, I, I yeah I wrote um I wrote a blog post for Hash, for Hachette about that focused primarily on that series and yeah I think I think it's there's at least four okay
1: well that's very exciting for me cuz now I have two more books to read instead of just one um so yeah this is these are ones where it's like Visim Khan does a really good job of showing off what modern India is like but also just having these like fun cozy mysteries. Obviously, there's a baby elephant involved all the time, and he gets into all sorts of trouble. Well, not really trouble, but like he gets into situations, and just he can't get out of these situations. It's always really fun, and there are some like really heartwarming scenes also with the elephant in this book. Um, so yeah, I just feel like if you're someone who really enjoys cozy mysteries, this is definitely a really great one to pick up. The stories are always really really fun, and then and, and I never really see, or at least for these first two books, I still haven't seen like the conclusion coming at all. Like I think the Rasim Khan does a really good job of leading you down a path. And then like sort of when he does a reveal, you're like, oh, this all does really make sense and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed this
0: series and I definitely want to keep going with them. Yeah, that's awesome, and I've I've mentioned before that maybe maybe we should we should do an episode coming up where we each start a new series. If we I can't remember if we've done that already, but I know I have that one sitting on my shelf, um, and I've got a bunch of the other books that you mentioned. I'm like, yeah, I got that one too. I have to read that one still.
1: <laughs> it's okay. There's always going to be a like a bajillion series that we could potentially start. So
0: yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> All right, uh, but yeah, if you guys have any series suggestions for us, like if there's a series that you live and die by, let us know. Because even though we're not big series readers ourselves, we're always looking for good books. So, um, so yeah, let us know if you have um, if you have any good suggestions for us. Because we would love to hear them. And although our TBRs might be weeping at the thought <laughs> of having more books added to them, that's okay. That's okay. They'll live. <laughs> All right. So before we get to our uh, new releases, we've got our second sponsor, which is Book Riot. And it is another amazing, banana pants, crazy, awesome giveaway. This is our young adult giveaway. And Book Riot is giving away... $500 Five hundred dollars worth of the year's best young adult fiction and nonfiction, selected by our very own Kelly Jensen, who is a former young adult librarian and a current Book Riot young adult expert. She has put together an unbelievable list. I it, I don't know how many books are on there, but I don't think it would be out. Uh, it would be out of line to say fifty, maybe. I mean, I'd,
1: probably pretty close if it's five hundred dollars worth of. Yeah,
0: well, yeah. it's it's got to be. Yeah, it's that's that's not an unreasonable gu- uh, an unreasonable guess. Um, a lot of them, um, there aren't as many mysteries on there just because I don't think there are as many mysteries written for young adults as there are, you know, fantasy or realistic fiction. Um, but some of the the books or authors you guys might be interested in, um, the Bells by Danielle Clayton, who co-authored. Um, the Tiny Pretty Things uh, duology, as it is so far that I was talking about. Um, Dread Nation by Justina Ireland, which is the Civil War plus zombies. I don't know what else you need. Um, Before I Let Go by Marika Nycomp who wrote one of my favorite young adult Titles of all time. This is where it ends. Um, about the school shooting is unbelievable. Um, her book is on that list. So um, if you're interested, and I think everyone should really be interested in this, um, you can visit slash uh, 500YA giveaway to enter. Um, and the giveaway ends July 31st. So you've got about another month. To uh, put your name in for this drawing, but definitely do it because this giveaway is amazing. Um, so yeah, you can enter at that link. Um, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. Um, you can also click there to see all of the books that are on the list. So for if nothing else, you should be adding all of these books to to your reading list. Um, so thank you very much, BookRave, for a sponsoring us and b putting together such an amazing giveaway. Honestly, they are very good at that. <laughs> It's a gift. (laughs) I know, honestly. Um, All right.
1: So for our new releases, first up, speaking of next book in series, um, the first book I have is It All Falls Down by Sheena Kamal. This is uh, the sequel to The Lost Ones, which I read, I think, last year. I think the first one came out last year and I read it soon afterwards. And so in this story, you are following this main character named Nora Watts, who has a very similar vibe to Liz as Lizbeth Salander. Um, I don't, I want to say she's like exactly the same. Like she's not necess- this isn't necessarily a read-alike for uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo series, but she has that same sort of like tough exterior, but good hard sort of thing going on for her. Um, and so in this one, you are following Nora Watts, who only grew up knowing one of her parents, which was her father, but then he ended up committing suicide and she basically denied herself the grieving process and carry down with her life and then she comes across a veteran who knew him and When she meets him, it ends up raising some disturbing questions that Nora can't really ignore and some dark emotions that she can't control. And so in order to make peace with her past, she has to confront it. And so to find the truth about her father's life and his violent death, she travels from Vancouver to Detroit, where Sam Watts, her father, grew up, which is far away from his people and his place of birth. So in the 1950s, um, there was this disastrous government policy that had thousands of Canadian Native children, like Sam, um, be adopted by American families. Um, And so in Detroit, Nora discovers that the circumstances surrounding uh, her father's suicide are more unsettling than she'd imagined. However, no matter how far away Nora gets from Vancouver, she can't seem to shake trouble. Back in the Pacific Northwest, former police detective-turned-private investigator John Brazuka is looking into the overdose death of a billionaire's mistress. His search uncovers a ruthless opiate ring and a startling connection to Nora, uh, this infuriating distant woman he'd once tried to befriend. And he has no way to warn or protect her because she's become a ghost vanishing completely off the grid focused on the mysterious events of her father's past and the clues they provide to her own fractured identity and that of her estranged daughter. Nora may not be able to see the danger heading her way until it's too late, but it's not her father's old ties that could get her killed but her own. So like I said, I read the first book in the series, The Lost Ones, last year, and I really enjoyed it. Um, actually, what I enjoyed the most was the relationship or er, specifically the friendship between Nora and uh, the private investigator John. They had this just really great camaraderie and friendship and possible underlining tension um, that was just really, really fun to read. But I also just really like the mystery as well. And this one seems to be dealing with some heavier topics because like this government policy that happened in the 1950s is a real thing where like, basically native children were taken away from their families and then they were adopted by like American families, which is so crazy to think about, but also not so much considering current events. Um, so (laughs) I know. So anyways, um, I highly recommend picking up some Sheena Kamal. If you haven't already, I think she is a super, super underrated author. Um, and I definitely will be uh, picking up. It all falls down, which is already out. All right. The second book that I have is from a very well-known name, and that is The Last Time I Lied by Riley Sager, who wrote Final Girls, which came out last year and was a huge bestseller. Um, So so, good. (laughs) Yeah. And also was very good. Both of us really enjoyed that book. So his latest book is called The Last Time I Lied, and that one is already out as well. So in this one, you are mainly following this character named Emma Davis, who attended this camp fifteen years ago called Camp Nightingale. And she was in a cabin with these three other girls named Vivian, Natalie, and Adel- Al. Sorry, Vivian, Natalie, and Allison. Um, they would constantly play two truths and a lie within their cabin. Uh, but the games ended the night that Emma sleepily watched the others sneak out of the cabin into the darkness, and that was the last time she or anyone else saw them. And so now Emma is a rising star in the New York City art scene, and she turns her past into paintings, um, these massive canvases filled with dark leaves and gnarled branches that cover ghostly shapes and white dresses. When the paintings catch the attention of Francesca Harris White, the wealthy owner of Camp Nightingale, she convinces Emma to return to the newly reopened camp as a painting instructor. However, Emma sees this as an opportunity to find out what actually happened to her friends all those years ago. Familiar faces unchanged cabins and the same dark lake haunt Nightingale, even though the camp is opening its doors for the first time since the disappearances, and Emma is even assigned the same cabin that she slept in as a teenager, but she soon discovers a security camera, the only one on the property, pointed directly at its door. Then, cryptic clues that Vivian left behind about the camp's twisted origins begin surfacing. As she digs deeper, Emma finds herself sorting through the lies from the past while facing mysterious threats in the present. And the closer she gets to the truth about Cap Nightingale and what really happened to those girls, the more she realizes that closure could come at a deadly price. Uh, So again, that one is called The Last Time I Lied and is currently available to pick up at bookstores and libraries. Uh, next I have All These Beautiful Strangers by Elizabeth, uh, Clefoth. I'm sorry for mispronouncing that. Um, this one comes out on July 10th. And, um, so in this story, you are following, uh, Grace Fairchild, who is the beautiful young wife of a real estate mogul, Alistair, Alistair Cl- Calloway, I'm totally messing up these names, sorry, Uh, who vanished from the family's lake house without a trace, leaving behind her seven-year-old daughter, Charlie, and a slew of unanswered questions. Years later, 17 year old Charlie still struggles with the dark legacy of her family name and the mystery surrounding her mother. Determined to let go of the past, she quickly throws herself into life at Knollwood, the prestigious New England school she attends. Charlie quickly becomes friends with Knollwood's It crowd. Charlie has also been tapped by the A's, the school's elite secret society, well known for terrorizing the faculty, administration, and their enemies. To become a member of the A's, Charlie must play The Game, a semester-long, diabolical, high-stakes scavenger hunt that will jeopardize her friendships, her reputation, and even her place at Knollwood. As the dark events of the past and present converge... Charlie begins to fear that she may not survive the terrible truth about her family, her school, and her own life. Um, So this is, I believe, young adult mystery suspense book. It's being described as a mashup of like the dirt dishy gamesmanship of Gossip Girl with the murky atmosphere of the secret history. Um, Personally, I really enjoy books that take place on these sort of like private schools, whether it's like private high schools or like these uh, boarding schools and things like that. Um, So if that sounds of interest to you, again, that's called All These Beautiful Strangers, and that one comes out on July 10th. Yeah, I want to read all of these books. (laughs) I know, right? It's always really fun and very terrible to have to put together the new releases every two weeks.
0: I know. Oh, the Riley Sager book, because I just... Flippin loved final girls last year oh my god so good and just the description of this one and i'm like first he does creepy woods now he does creepy creepy summer camp and i'm just like oh that sounds amazing i'm gonna have to like go right out and pick that up like this weekend <laughs> All right. And the final book
1: is one that I'm just going to mention very briefly because it also transitions quite well into um, our next session. And this is a book that Katie and I have talked about multiple times on the podcast and talked about how excited we are for this book. And that is Hope Never Dies, An Obama-Biden Mystery um, by Andrew Schaefer. This one also comes out on July 10th. And this is basically exactly what it sounds like. It's Obama-Biden fan fiction that basically puts them in like a buddy cop situation. And both of us are very excited to read this. We both got copies of ARCs from Quirk Books, which we are very thankful for and plan on reading it very, very soon. Um, But a really quick synopsis is basically that um, President Obama, or sorry, no, Vice President Biden... um, his favorite railroad conductor dies in a suspic- suspicious accident, um, leaving behind an ailing wife and a trail of clues. And so, to unravel the mystery, Amtrak Joe reteams with the only man he's fully trusted—the forty-fourth president of the United States. And so, basically, they travel throughout Delaware to uncover who killed this conductor, as well as finding out some things about the opioid epidemic happening in the United
0: States and. Yeah, I'm just very, very excited to read this. <laughs> I, words are failing me right now. I very excitedly showed all of my coworkers in my department when I got the book. I'm like, look at this book! look at the cover and some of my coworkers are like what what is this and I'm like I know I showed you this cover when I first saw it several months ago because I was so excited I had to share it with everyone um but yeah I got I got the book did you get a matching pin I got a matching pin
1: <gasps> no I'm jealous I didn't get a matching pin I got a matching pin
0: I'm oh so my excited. gosh
1: if I had that pin I would 100% put that on my backpack <laughs>
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I was just oh I was so excited. And yeah, when I when I emailed their the publicist at Quirk Books, I said, look, I said, I, you know, usually I'm like, okay, digital galleys, you know, that's fine. I'm like, let's be real. I need that book cover in my life.
1: <laughs> I know. I said basically the same thing in mine, too. I was like, I understand like if they were only willing to send a digital copy, but I was just like, I need, I need to be able to Instagram this. That's basically what it comes down to for me. (laughs) I need to be able to Instagram every moment of me receiving the book, experiencing
0: the book, everything. Now, what we need is a picture of Obama reading that book.
1: Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? I would die. I mean, he never – I feel like Biden would read it before Obama did. Like, Biden, I feel like, would at least be along for the joke. Um, Like, if you went up to him randomly and just, like, handed him the book to take a picture with, he probably would be down for it more than Obama. But uh, I would die. Or the two of them reading it together. I know. (laughs) Oh, if only. Someone needs to send this
0: to, like, his staff or something like that (laughs) Uh yeah, so so yeah, so basically um yeah, so with that we each have a copy of that so we're going to be reading that and then we each um either had or rec- or have um a copy of our other favorite presidential mystery that we've been talking about the president is missing. Um I got my I got my large print copy from the library um, last week. So I am probably going to be doing some presidential mystery reading this, uh, this 4th of July.
1: I know, same. I still have my copy of The President's Missing. It's due on Right uh, Saturday, so I definitely have to read it this week. Um, but yeah, that is one hundred percent what my plan is for tomorrow. And I already read the first chapter, and I don't, I don't know if because you have large print if it's going to be the same. But the inside flap, like you know how on the inside flap, there's typically a synopsis, mm-hmm. um, obviously of the book. But the inside flap for the president is missing. Is like the most James Patterson y inside flap that I've ever seen before. I mean, obviously it's a James Patterson book, so I shouldn't be that surprised, but it's literally just like four sentences. And if you have ever seen like a print ad of James Patterson or even like his TV ads, he has TV ads I've seen before too. And it's just like, the president disappears. The world is in shock. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like this, they're not even giving you a proper synopsis of the book. They're just selling you in like the movie trailer voice.
0: <laughs> like, I was just thinking that is in a world. <laughs> oh my gosh. So anyways, oh. I'm very excited to read that one too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, that, that will be like my life flow. No, I've actually you know what I realized just um well, for I'll just I'll just go ahead and talk about like what I've finished and what I've started recently so I did um I finished the book I talked about last time um, working stiff two years two hundred and sixty two bodies in the making of a medical medical examiner by Judy melanick um I finished listening to that on audio it was super interesting um if you like lots of forensic details um if you like lots of gory details um if you're just really interested in stuff like how the body works and how like, Dead bodies can give you clues as to what happened to them about, how, like, what happens to the body after you die and, and, and how you decompose and break down. Like, it's really, really interesting. Um, I did last time give a heads up for a potential trigger warning for suicide um, because the author um, in a couple places made statements about suicide because her own father um, passed away from suicide And she had made some statements that I thought were extremely problematic in, you know, in that context, understanding that she... From what she went through was very traumatic, very difficult. But um, that that heads up still stands. Um, It's not a huge part of the book Um, for me. I was able to mostly enjoy the book even without it. Um, But it was still kind of jarring. So I do want to give that give that heads up if that if that is a sensitive subject for you. Um, But what I really thought was was interesting was that she when she worked as a medical examiner in New York City. Um, she had just started her job. She had only been there a couple of months when um, the Twin Towers fell. And she was part of the team that had to help identify all of the bodies from the World Trade Center site. Um, So that's at the end of the book. And she goes into a lot of detail about that process and what it was like to be in New York City and having to you know, like how they were had to work to identify the bodies like they didn't they weren't worried about how the person died, they knew how they died. It was most it was most important to find out who they were so that they could they could provide a positive ID. And when she talks about the state that the that the bodies were in, and like, I won't I won't go into specific details, but there were there's some things that she described that are just mind boggling that you didn't even I'm like, I didn't even know that could that could happen um that w- that was definitely a sobering part of the book it it, it really kind of brought home a lot of the stuff that I didn't remember from 9-11 when it happened, because I was only in middle school or stuff that I hadn't really thought about in a while. Um, But it it was a very powerful um, end to the book. But overall, I did really enjoy it. Um, And again, that is Working Stiff by Judy Melanick. Um, And then besides my presidential reading list, I started listening to Meg by Steve Alton. Um, which is coming out as a movie this summer? It's if you've seen a trailer about a giant ass shark, <laughs> that's Meg. About um, the what? What? Um, what if a megalodon, basically a sixty foot great white shark? What if um, megalodons never went extinct? and are still swimming in the oceans today, and what if someone, or someone, what if one of them came up to the coastal waters and started, you know, going jaws on everyone? Um, it is as silly and ridiculous as it sounds. I read the, the the book years ago, but I didn't remember anything about it, so I was just like, ah, what the heck, this will be a fun read. I am just enjoying myself so much while listening to this book. It's, I mean... It's a straight-up thriller. You know, like, you can identify the character types. You know what's going to happen. The, you know, it's not, it's not the type of book that's necessarily known for its well-rounded characters. And also, there is a scene where the Megalodon literally does what happened in, uh, was it Jaws? Yeah, it was the second Jaws movie where the shark tries to eat a helicopter. That happens in the book and it's ridiculous and amazing and I am just enjoying myself so much and speaking of series there are like six or seven books in the Meg series and I'm like how many times can you capture and then chase after a giant Megalodon that you t- that you mistakenly thought you could capture and keep and keep wherever like I don't understand how this could keep happening six or seven times but then again we've got like 10 Halloween sequels so I don't know um but yeah so I'm I am reading um so i'm listening to meg and i've been like listening to that while i'm cooking dinner um last night when i came home from work i was just sitting on the floor after i finished dinner sitting on the floor playing a video game on silent and listening to meg because i just could not put it down um so i i just realized i'm like i've got a lot of kind of like light fluffy reading coming up or going on right now and i'm really loving it (laughs)
1: Yeah, I approve. It's kind of nice to read stuff like this. Like, even with, um, like, so I read the first chapter of The President is Missing last night just because I was like, I'm I'm just intrigued. I know I'm going to be starting this, you know, within the next day or so. And I just want to see what it's like. And it's just like, even from the first chapter, it's like so over the top in, in its writing that I'm just like, typically, or not typically, I would say like, this is my first time reading James Patterson. So I, but like in my head, what I pictured James Patterson books to be like is exactly what I'm getting here. And I'm completely okay with it. Like I kind of want something that is fun and ridiculous. And obviously they're going to be relatively high stakes because the president goes missing. But <laughs> other than that, like I kind of just like that this is basically going to be the equivalent of like a popcorn flick or something like
0: that in book form. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to this weekend of light reading because I because I'm taking off the whole rest of this week because it's my birthday week oh yes
1: happy early birthday thank
0: you um so yeah my birthday is on Thursday and um while Blaine is at work I'm gonna like sit around and do absolutely nothing except read and I am so excited so that's I guess that's my that's my birthday gift to me this year is all of this light fluffy ridiculous thriller reading and I'm so excited I approve. Um, so for me,
1: I haven't been reading a whole lot in terms of like mysteries and stuff like that outside of uh, finishing up the perplexing theft of The Jewel and the Crown. But obviously, I plan on reading The President is Missing and Hope Never Dies. And by the way, we will be talking about it in the next episode. So if you have the ability to pick up a copy from your bookstore or your library and, you know, you're welcome to read it as well within the next couple of weeks and like, you know, enjoy the discussion a little bit more possibly. Um Because I think it'll be a fun episode. But anyway, so besides that, I haven't really figured out what I'm in the mood for besides those two. I have been craving some like fantasy, but I don't want like, well, I do kind of want an epic fantasy, but also I've been wanting some like the crossover like fantasy mystery type books. And so I ended up going on the Libby app, which we've talked about in the past, which is like the library ebook app. And there was um, Soulless by Gail (gasps) Carringer. Oh, I love that book. Yeah, so everyone loves that book, and I've never read it, and I've never read any of the series or anything by her, and I keep wanting to pick it up, and I keep, like, just forgetting. There's just so many books out there. I just never got to it, but I saw that it was available at the time that, like, I was just, like, browsing through Libby, and so I just immediately checked it out, and so I have a strong feeling that that's going to also be, like, on my list of things to read within the next couple of weeks because I just want something that's more in the fantasy world than in the real-life world.
0: I, oh my gosh. Yeah, I had, I read that one for um, our uh, last uh, professional genre study that I did with my readers advisory group. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not really into steampunk. I'm not really into um, that type of like romantic fantasy. I'm not into like, you know, vampires and werewolves, that kind of thing. I love that book so much. Like the book starts off with the main character, Beating a vampire, or I can't remember if it was a vampire or a werewolf. She's basically beating him over the head with her parasol because he was rude enough to like interrupt her. And I was just like, I like this person <laughs> so much. I want to be this person in real life.
1: Yeah. So I've heard nothing but like a ama- Like honestly, I feel like everyone I know who has read this book has loved it, or read the series, especially has loved it. So I'm just like, it, I think it's time for me to give it a try myself. Absolutely. All right. So that's everything that we have for this episode. Thank you so much to uh, checking us out and for listening and tuning in. For our show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen and you can head to the Red or Dead page and there will be links to all of the stories that we talked about at the top of the show as well as all of the different books that we mentioned throughout the episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcast so that way other people can discover us and join in. Um, otherwise, you can feel free to email us if you have episode suggestions, if you want to let us know what your favorite series books are, if you end up reading The President is Missing and or Hope Never Dies and has a, have a lot of feelings and want to send them to us, we will take those as well. Um, so our email address is bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at RinseyA.
0: And I am on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye.